Good morning to you. Oh, that was sort of nice. Always good to be here. Happy Father's Day. I want to echo that. Um, I uh, have uh, enjoyed my years of being a father and now grandfather. It's just been a lot of joy and a lot of fun. And um, you sort of learn as you go, don't you, dads? It's sort of like learning on the job. And uh, it's nice to be in this season of my life where I get from, uh, words from my grandkids as well. So uh, they think I'm really cool. So my kids, not so much. My grandkids think I'm really cool. Uh, OJ, I'm sorry, OJ mentioned uh, Joan and the Wavebreakers and, and cast members. It's an excellent production. You should all go to see it. If you haven't been, it's wonderful. He met, it, neglected to say that um, uh, I was one of the cast members last night. Uh, thank you. It was my only, th oh, that was a long applause, thank you. Um, I, um, it was my only time, it was a cameo appearance. Other people are going to take that job from now on. I set the bar though, I want you to know, I set the bar. So go and see it, it's really delightful. I, I hope you get a chance to. It's, it's just a lot of fun and it's just well done and um, there's a good message in it as well. So, why is it that God calls us or allows us maybe to go into difficult situations, trials, tough times? I ask that question either verbally in my prayers or in my thoughts uh, quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's interesting, as I, not just my trials, but the trials that people that, that I know, people that, that uh, I care about. Why does God allow that? Why would he ask us to enter into difficult times? Uh, Renee and I, my wife and I, uh, we're, we're in the demographic now where when we hear from people that we've known for years and decades and, and haven't heard from, from a, for a while, uh, usually um, that's fun and, and there might be some new things in their life, but, but off, more often now than not, there's a more serious kind of note to uh, their communication, illness, Sometimes friends we've had for, for decades have, have, have died, people that we've, we've known and loved. Those, those communications, I, I always have that, that thought come up. Why, why difficult times? Why illnesses? Why dire consequences? I, I had a friend of mine who I was talking with well, a few months ago, and um, He's a good guy. He's, he's uh, been in ministry his whole adult life. He, he has a uh, good heart, good, great sense of humor. So he's sitting in my office and we're, we're sharing back and forth. And he says, well, I've got some, some news. I said, what's that? He said, I, I went to the doctor for a regular checkup. I, I had a couple things going on I wanted to look at and, and uh, he did. And uh, the day after I was at the doctor's office, I got a call back. That's never a good sign. And uh, called them back in and they, they found something that was serious that needed to be treated. He had a, uh, problems with his throat, he, he had, had uh, some swelling, and they found out it, it was cancer. And I said, well, how do you feel about that? And he said, I don't know. He said, I, 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 it's, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I, I almost can't get a handle on how I feel about that. Again, I'm thinking to myself, here's this, why? Why, my friend? Why does God call us into this kind of living sometimes? 
The Old Testament is a book of challenges, and there are a lot of hardships and a lot of trials in the Old Testament, along with, of course, working out God's eternal plan through the people of Israel, God's chosen people. But they go through some rough times. You have floods, you have battles, you have massacres, you have deceptions. And the people who as a whole, they just couldn't stay faithful to their call. And there are highlights, and we love the highlights. People that we, we look at and, and we draw inspiration from. We have David and Joseph and Daniel and Ruth and Esther and Nehemiah. These, these heroes of the Old Testament. But they all went through hard times too. And, and frankly, it's just full of stuff that's just tough. Just plain hard. And what we're looking at, and, and O.J. reminded us we're in this series, um, we're looking at prophets uh, this summer, and, and one of the most difficult roles in all of Scripture is, is that of being a prophet. Uh, we have modern-day prophets, men and women who declare the truth of Scripture, and they speak to our generation, and they can, they can proclaim that. And we, I have my favorites. I'm sure you have your favorites, people that just grab us and, 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 and take us in, in a great place spiritually and emotionally preach the word with conviction. But prophets in the Old Testament uh, were almost never popular. They, this wasn't a fun job to be called to. Uh, they were many times uh, mocked, persecuted, denigrated. Why? Because they were chosen by God to more, than, more times than not deliver a message of where the people were falling short. And uh, many times talking about impending judgment and so they predicted God's judgment on a sinful, many times on a sinful and rebellious people. So we're going to look today at one of those prophets, the prophet Hosea. His name means literally the Lord saves. The Lord saves. And the length of his service was one of the, uh, the longest of, of all the prophets in, in the Old Testament. And O.J. mentioned uh, that these are called minor prophets, not because they were less than the other prophets, but because their, their, their writings are shorter. There are 12 of them in, in the latter part of the Old Testament, not as long as Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, or Daniel, but they are, they're important in terms of their message. And Hosea is one of the, most long, uh, one of the uh, longest serving of all the prophets. Um, we, ha I, we have a uh, timeline up here, <coughs> and uh, Hosea was... Um, uh, a prophet, not just to, to one or, uh, of the kingdoms, but both the northern and southern kingdom. Northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes called Israel. Uh, he prophesied to them and also to the southern kingdom. And you see down here at the bottom, uh, these two kingdoms, uh, the, the uh, northern kingdom falls right around 721 B.C. Hosea uh, prophesied from the 780s B.C. to right when the, uh, the northern kingdom fell, and it, they fell to the Assyrians. Assyrians came down from the north, and Hosea, you read, read his prophecy, and he makes it very clear that, and we'll, we'll see some of that, that um, uh, Israel is going to, to be taken, and they're not going to return. These are called the ten lost tribes of Israel. And Hosea is, is, is very clear in terms of their judgment. And then the, the southern kingdom falls right around, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a series of, of uh, of attacks by the Babylonians right around 600 BC, you, you have the beginning of that. Around 587, uh, they're taken into captivity. Uh, the southern two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, they're the two tribes that will eventually return. So, the king he served with are listening in the writing, but he was asked by God uh, 
to do a, a, a very strange thing. And it's probably one of the most remarkable of all the stories in, 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 uh, of, of the prophets outside of Jonah. God asked Hosea to go and marry a woman who had a bad reputation, uh, who most likely was a prostitute. And he was to take her as his wife, and they were to, to then go forward and, uh, and have a family together. Interesting call, isn't it? So I'd like to read um, chapter 1 of Hosea. It's in your bulletin. I want to read that. And then I'm going to, to read chapter 3, a short chapter right after that. The, um, the text of the book of Hosea, there, there are two prose chapters, chapters 1 and 3. I'll read both of those. The rest of Hosea, chapters, chapters 2 and then 4 through, the, the, through 14, are written in, in a beautiful uh, Hebrew poetry, more of a poetic style. But these are... these. Chapters 1 and 3 tell the story, basically, of what God asked Hosea to do, and I think there's a powerful message in that. All right, let's start with Hosea chapter 1 at verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Barai, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, that's the southern two tribes, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, the northern ten. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dibliim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, those are the southern two tribes, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. In verse 10, the last verse of that chapter, verses 10 and 11. Yet the Israelites will be like sand of the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Now I want to read the other prose chapter, chapter 3, just a short chapter, only five verses. Hosea speaking, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and lethek of barley, and I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord 
and to his blessings in that last day. This is the word of God. Commentators on Hosea uh, are divided into three camps. One camp thinks that this story is just sort of a metaphor, that God wouldn't actually tell Hosea to go and, and, and do this, that this is sort of his, his story that he tells as, as a metaphor and an illustration. Uh, second camp believes that um, uh, Gomer, this woman, uh, was not a, a prostitute before he married her, but fell into that after the marriage, and, and uh, so sort of, sort of spins the story that way. The third group, the, actually the majority, think that it's just pretty straightforward, that, that this was a woman of ill repute, this is a woman who is a prostitute, and yet God said, okay, go ahead, and I want you to marry this woman. So there, there are three different camps. Uh, interesting, this chapter one, Hosea, I told you his name means the Lord saves. Uh, there's, there's a message in each of the names of this family. Gomer is a, not, not a common name for women today, right? Um, Gomer is, is an interesting Hebrew name, and it's sort of tough to translate. Um, it means complete, but it has, with a sense of it, this, this, this context of, of failing to do what is right. Uh, and so when you say the name Gomer, you get the sense that, that this was a life that was a complete failure. It's a life that just didn't go well. Bad decisions were continually made. And his children uh, bear these names. Jezreel means, it doesn't give the translation in the text, Jezreel means the Lord scatters. And uh, <clears throat> that's predictive of the fall of, of the northern ten tribes. Um, my wife and I, a year ago, were, were on Mount Carmel, looks down into in the valley of, of Jezreel. It's a vast, vast valley. It's just completely flat after, after the, the initial mountain range. And uh, this is where the Assyrians came down and, and finally took, took Israel captive. So his first son's name is, is a prophecy of, of that happening. Uh, the, uh, the other names are, are sad, really. Uh, Lo Ruhama, not loved. That's a sad name, isn't it? To name your child, I hope they had a nickname and didn't use the whole thing. Um, not love, not shown mercy. <clears throat> and lo ami, not, not my people. So God is through Hosea and his living example m- making a statement. Hosea is interesting too. It's the, it's the most, I think it's the most oft quoted of all the uh, minor prophets in the New Testament. Interestingly enough, we have texts in Hosea <clears throat> that are, are woven into the, the New Testament writings and narrative. Uh, Jesus refers to it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 2 and 9 and 12. Uh, Peter refers to it in 1 Peter 2. Paul calls on the words of Hosea in 1 Corinthians 15. And it's these references, and as I was saying, you can't, we can't, of course, do the whole 14 chapters today. We don't have time or the patience to do it, probably. But, but the, <clears throat> I wanted to take uh, those themes that Jesus and, and Paul and Peter took and, and sort of shape what, what I think we need to, to, to glean from this book. Um, these references to Hosea's writing, we find a cord of redemption that's woven into the fabric of this prophecy. As dire as this is, hey, we're going we're gonna to all be taken into captivity. Israel, you're not even going to return. Judah, it's not going to be easy for you either. But there is a redemptive narrative in this, in this book that, that really is important to see. And Hosea's marriage to Gomer is a real-life illustration of these words of hope and salvation. 
in, in that light, I think we are called, as we read this book, to emulate and live out our calling as children of God. Serial unfaithfulness leads to slavery. There's a message there. But there is always a redemptive call back out of slavery into, into real relationship. So, three themes. Um, first one is this. Just three words that I see in Hosea. First one is mercy. Mercy. So here this man called by God to marry a woman who has a poor reputation, a reputation that would ostracize her from any normal and healthy relationship in this culture. There would be no family support. There would be no protection whatsoever. Uh, women in, in, in this situation were uh, considered uh, people that were not being worthy even to have a conversation with. Women who were prostitutes were on their own in a very strict and judgmental culture. But God, instead of telling Hosea to shun her and denigrate her, tells him to show her mercy. Here's this mercy theme. So Hosea goes, he brings her under his protection and cares for her as a husband ought to care for his wife. And this mercy theme, as you read through this book, it, it pops up in Hosea's writing and prophesying. Jesus quotes him in Matthew 9, 13 and Matthew 12. This quote, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God is saying, look, I, I don't need your outward performance. I don't, I don't need you to just go through the motions. I desire mercy. I show you mercy, and I want you to be merciful as well. When's the last time someone showed you mercy? When's the last time someone said, nope, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to hold you accountable for that, even though you did it? Years ago, I had a, a dear friend who um, I worked with. Uh, uh, his wife and I were, were, were his, his, his wife and he were friends with my wife and myself, and, and uh, we, we had this great relationship. We, we, we served in the same area of the country, and then he moved all the way across country. We were separated by almost a whole continent. But every time I would travel to where he lived, um, I would stay in his home. I, I, I knew his children well. We, we just had a great time. I, I really loved this guy. I remember that distinctly the day that I showed up at his home. I had a trip out, out uh, in his area of the country, and um, I was looking forward to seeing him. I remember he met me at the door, and he had this awful look on his face. I said, uh, how are you doing? He says, I'm not doing well at all. And he took me, didn't even take me to see his wife or his kids weren't even home. Took me in a room of his house, sat me down. He said, I've got to tell you what the situation is here. And uh, he had moved uh, to this part of the country. Uh, they joined a church, very active in the church, became a leader in the church, part of the trustee board. And he was the treasurer of, of this church, a very, very large church where he was. And uh, in his uh, job, he, he was starting a business and he had some struggles there. And uh, he said, I, I, a few months ago, got to a point where I was really having a difficult time making ends meet with my business. And um, I, in, in one of the worst decisions I've ever made, said, I'm just going to borrow a little bit of money from the church account just to sort of take me through this difficult time. When I get to this point, I'll pay it all back. No one will ever know. And uh, 
it'll be okay. I'm just looking at my eyes are wide. And he says, and it did not go well because my business did not turn around. The money did not come in. And here I was just sort of caught in this web of, well, just a little bit more. And by the time the church did an audit, uh, he had uh, taken tens of thousands of dollars from the church treasury. I couldn't believe it. The last person in the world I thought would do anything like that would be my friend, but he did, and he had tears in his eyes when he told me. I said, what's going to happen? He said, well, he said, they met with me. They confronted me. I, I admitted it right away. What could I say? I did it. And, um, and they said to me, we're going to think about this. We need to talk. We need to pray. And then he said, I met with him a few days later. The second meeting he went into, uh, he sat down and they looked at him and said, um, uh, we are going to uh, absolutely forgive uh, what you've done. Uh, we'd only ask that uh, as, as you're able, as the years go by, we want you to repay it. But we're not going to report it. This is a, the money he took. It would have been a felony offense. He would, he would have... He would have been in serious, serious trouble. And uh, he looked at me, he said, I can't believe they did that. Now, it certainly didn't help him in terms of his family and, and his reputation. And uh, even though the church didn't make it public, I mean, it was, it was just not uh, a, a, a very good time for my friend. But I was amazed at a group of people who said, you know what, we're going to extend you mercy where you don't get what you deserve. Hosea is a book of mercy. God says to you and me, I'm going to love you so much that I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Second theme. Mercy is the first. Second theme is love. When Gomer succumbs to her old habits, here she is, she's married, she's taken under his protection, they have children, um, they have this, this relationship that um, is, is relatively normal, but she sort of falls back into old habits and patterns of living, and she leaves the family. She goes back to the old way of living, and she most likely, we don't know from the narrative, but, but you can conjecture, and it's probably not too, too much of a stretch to believe that she went from man to man until she got to a point that was so desperate that the only way that she could live was to sell herself into slavery. And God instructs her husband, Hosea, the man who now is in charge of these children without his wife, to, to, to go and to buy her back, to go to that slave market and buy her back. The Apostle Paul quotes Hosea, Romans 9, 25 and 26, and, and also Peter in 1 Peter 2.10. Here's the quote, I will call them my people, who are not my people, and my loved one, who is not my loved one. In spite of Israel's rejection of God, in spite of their, their refusal to follow what God wanted them to do, God says, no, I'm, gonna, I, I'm going to purchase you back. I'm going to redeem you. Gomer forfeited all the protection and comfort that Hosea offered when she chose to run off and live with other men. But I think in perhaps the most profound picture we have of Jesus' love for us, Hosea goes and buys her back. She once again, through no merit of her own, is accepted back into her family and receives a love that she doesn't deserve. And, and Hosea 
demonstrates that love and shows us in a very real way what God's love looks like. I have two younger brothers. Uh, they're twins, Tom and Tim, the twins. Um, that's, don't, my parents just sort of had a whimsical way about that. That's Tom and Tim. And um, they're now, so they're just two, two, almost three years younger than I am, uh, both living uh, good lives. My brother Tim uh, was sort of the, the one that sort of pushed against a lot of what what uh, he was taught as a child and into his adult years, he, he had some difficult times. His, he, he was the first one of us that got married. And when we um, uh, would meet together, we'd talk about, you know, all the things that we're doing as families. And, and uh, I remember the day that he told me that his first marriage wasn't going well. Two children by that marriage, a daughter and a son. And uh, after several years of marriage, uh, despite uh, my brother's efforts and, and uh, his, his uh, very difficult um, situation, uh, they ended in divorce. And uh, those of you who have gone through those times where there are children involved, it, it, it wasn't smooth there. And uh, after a couple years, three years after the divorce, uh, he ended up being estranged from both his daughter and his son, completely cut off relationship. You know, we, we would wonder and we would ask, and, and he, I'm sure he would wonder and ask, but there is nothing that could be done. He tried all legal angles, anything that he could do, and it just, it just didn't happen. And so there was just nothing there. He remarried. Uh, he had two children by that marriage, two daughters. And uh, about six months ago, he received a call from one of his daughters. And she said to him, hey, Dad, uh, I think I just talked to Jake. And Jake was the name of my dad. Jake was the name of my dad, and that's the name that, that uh, my brother gave his son by that first marriage. And uh, my brother said, really? She said, yep. Um, Facebook, that's what, that's what the deal admitted. And uh, he contacted uh, my niece, and uh, he asked, are, are, are you uh, Tim Keller's daughter? And... Uh, she confirmed and, and established, and, and he said these words. He says, you know, he, I'd like to talk to my dad. I'd like to reconnect. My brother called me before uh, the phone call that he had. He said, this is going to happen. I said, well, what do you think? He said, I don't know what to think. I don't know what he's going to say. Um, phone call came. It was very cordial. And uh, he wanted to meet face-to-face. -face. My nephew was married children of his own, and so uh, they, they met his wife and, and him and his children and, and my brother and his present wife, and, and uh, they just had a marvelous time. They took pictures, and here's what my nephew said to my, my brother. He said, Dad, I'm sorry it's taken so long for me to contact you says, I'm really sorry. My brother looked back at him and he says, I'm sorry, it's taken so long too. And they embraced. 28 years. 28 years. And now they have a relationship. There's a love there that didn't die. And Hosea demonstrates that love to his wife. Mercy, love, third third theme in this that I think is important to see is victory. 
victory. Can you imagine this woman who's now just thrown everything good away in her life, made one bad decision after another, now is standing in a slave market just seeing if, if there's any way that she can survive. It's the last it's the last step of desperation, and out of the corner of her eye, she sees a man, and she realizes it's her husband, Hosea. And I think probably what was going through her mind is, oh, why is he here? Is he here to mock me? Is he here to, here to jeer at me? Is he here to say, oh, you're getting exactly what you deserve? And then when that doesn't happen, and he comes forward, and he pays 15 silver coins and, and some grain to purchase her, probably was thinking, oh, I know what this is going to be. This is, he's going to have me come back and he's going to make my life miserable. It doesn't happen. And I don't know if this is conjecture on my part or not, but you know what I think? I think he loved her. I think he loved her. I think God put a love in his heart for his wife. And there's this, this coming together of this story of redemption that's beautiful. And he says these words to her after he purchased her back in chapter 3. Remember these words? You were to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And then he says these words, and I will behave the same way toward you. Isn't that interesting that he says that? Oh, we want to get even sometimes. We want to just give people back to them what they've done to us. But here Hosea is communicating what God is communicating to you and me. God's saying, I will always be faithful. I will. And then he says, at the end of chapter 3, the Israelites will return and seek their God and David their king. And I like this phrase, they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last day. And here's the shining hope in their absolute mess. God's redemption is coming. And Hosea communicates to us through God's spirit that God takes very seriously his relationship with us, far more seriously than we take our relationship with him. And Paul echoes this, this victory theme in 1 Corinthians 15, words that, that we hear quoted often especially when, at funeral services. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh grave, is your victory? That comes from Hosea. It might look like there's no chance, there's, there's, there's no step that you can take. But God is inviting Israel and us back into relationship with him. Coming back to the Lord trembling. When's the last time you trembled? It's an interesting picture, isn't it? It's trembling. Last time I trembled, uh, I was traveling I-4. Serious story. It's the last time I trembled. Um, I drove I-4 up here. It wasn't quite as bad. This was, uh, we have an, uh, have an office now that opened up in, in southwest Orlando, and um, I'm there one day a week. I have to, I have to drive there, of course. And, and uh, my, I knew I was going to have to go I-4 to get there. It's in Dr. Phillips. And uh, 5.30 in the morning, got up. I said, That's, there can't be much traffic then. There's always traffic on I-4. I don't care what time it is. It's just always. And, they, and you know what? They go really fast on I-4. 
And now it's under construction and it's like going to Le Mans. I mean, it's just like back and forth. It's just like, and that first day I traveled, it's pitch dark, it's the middle of January, it's cold outside. And, and I'm, I'm trying to get there and trying to weave back and forth and people are flying by me, pickup trucks. If you drive a pickup truck, I'm sure it wasn't you, but I'm telling you, it was, it, I was so upset when I finally got to my office, I was just like, oh, trembling inside. So I feared for my life. I lived. When's the last time you trembled before the Lord? When's the last time you understood, really, really, what God has done for you and communicated that appreciation to him? Repentance leads to victory. Talked with my friend again, my friend who was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, this is a couple months ago. And um, it was, had to be diagnosed. His treatment plan had to be worked out. I didn't know what the situation was. He came, came, we sat down, we met together. I said, what's going on? He said, well, this is what they found. And as he, he explained the diagnosis and, and, and the type of illness he has, it became clear to me that there was a good chance that, that it was going to be successful, the treatment he was going to have, and that, um, that he was going to live many more years if this treatment worked. And I started to cry. He said, what are you crying for? I said, I'm crying because I'm happy. Happy you're going to be around. And then he said this to me. I said, this, this guy has a deep faith. And he said this. He says, I'm surprised at how this has made me so upset. Really, really hard time. But also so grateful. So, what's the application? I think there are a couple. First of all, do you feel like a complete failure? Do you feel like your life's been one failure after another? God's mercy and love is still available, but you have to come to him and receive it. You have to come. Gomer didn't have to go back to Jose. Even though he bought her back, she could have refused, but she went back. Call to faithfulness remains constant. God is always available to show you his mercy and his love. And there's all of us, I think, the message that I get is, why, why, does, why, does, why does God call us into trials and difficult times? What's he, what's he taking you through right now? What, what is it that's, that's got you upset? You feel that he's uncaring, unloving because of your pain and sadness? I believe Hosea is a reminder that God can take us through the most harrowing of circumstances, wars, illnesses, betrayals, captivities, humiliations. And he still assures us of his mercy, his love, and his call, his ultimate call to that celebration of victory that he gives us so graciously. So I'll close before we take communion, I want to close with Hosea's last words in this prophecy, last, last verses in chapter 14. I think it's a call to all of us. Who is wise, he says. Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. What? 
What, what, do we, what do we need to realize? What, what do we need to understand? And then he says this, the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Hosea is a call to walk in the ways of the Lord, to experience more fully his mercy, his love, and ultimate victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this book. Thank you for this man, this woman. And thank you for the lessons that they continually teach us. I pray that we would, whatever we're going through, whatever challenge that, that we have, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would allow us to, to see your hand, that we would be men and women of faith, and that whatever trial that we're going through, that we would see that you are the one who's going to give us the ultimate victory. And as we come here to celebrate uh, this table and be reminded of, of your son, I pray that we would be reminded more fully, more deeply of your great mercy and love for us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.